0: Right, well, let me start by asking you a question. Who loves to cook? Where's all the cooks out there? All right. I am not one of you. All right. I do not know how to cook. Uh, I struggle. You can ask my wife. The only thing that I make in our house is scrambled eggs. That's all I can do. And I did have to Google it one time to figure it out. But now I can make them. Uh, and my kids remind me every morning when I make them scrambled eggs, they're always, they're always like, Daddy, mommy makes better eggs than you. And I'm like, Thanks, guys. Just trying my best. Right. But I, I'm not a cook. But maybe if you are someone out there that cooks, you can probably answer this question. What happens? Let's say you're cooking something. What happens if you decide to skip a major ingredient? Like what just happens if you're like, ah, I don't want to do that today, or ah, I don't really want to deal with that. I'm just gonna skip over. What's gonna happen? Well, whatever you're making is probably not gonna taste very good, right? Like the finished product is not gonna be the what you want it to be. Now, when we go through this series, we started this last week on mission, what we're doing is we're kind of looking at the practical ingredients of being on mission, that you and I as disciples of Jesus, we're called to go out and to spread the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus. And in this series, we're kind of walking through what are the practical ways to do that? Now, you saw these last week. Let me remind you what they are. We were saying they're aware, prayer, care, and share. And so last week, Pastor Rick kicked off the series, and he talked about being aware, that you and I need to be aware of the people around us who need Jesus, that we need to make sure we're seeing them as people who need him, and we go out and share the good news with them. We need to be aware of that. And this morning, we're going to talk about prayer. And I'm really excited to talk about this, because what I think it is, I think prayer at times is that ingredient that we skip. Or it's that ingredient that we kind of rush through. It's the ingredient of being on mission that we tend to just kind of get through quickly and we don't spend a lot of time there. But you need to know, and hopefully you'll catch it by the end of the sermon, prayer is a vital ingredient to being on mission. If we're going to be disciples of Jesus who go out and we live this mission lifestyle to reach the lost, you better believe prayer has to be a vital part of that mission. I experienced this back when I was in high school. Uh, I was in a youth group at the time, and the youth group that I was in, they would always take us uh, down to Florida for a summer camp, a week of summer camp. And you know, Florida as a teenager for summer camp was pretty cool. So I'm like, all right, I went every year. So we would always go down to Florida and we would spend a week there. And it was a summer camp where churches from different places would come and we would spend a week. And it was always a week where we got to do a lot of games and activities and hang out. It was a blast, worship, teaching, all that. But one of the things that they would do every year is near the end of the week, usually on Thursday, they would say, hey, for any students that want to, we're going to take you out and we're going to take you to some crowded area, a a mall, somewhere in the city, the beach, right? That got all the students to go, the beach. Uh, And they would say, we're going to share the gospel, right? Yeah, because a bunch of teenagers on the beach are going to do a great job sharing the gospel. But they would take us, right? And they would say, the goal is we want you to go out and just share the gospel, And they say if you're going to do this, it's optional. You don't have to do it. But if you want to do it, you got to come to these little workshops leading up to that day. They're going to take us out and share the gospel. So I did it a few times. I didn't do it every year, but I would do it a couple of times. And I remember going to these workshops and they would teach us things like, how do we present the gospel? What method do we use? And they would talk to us about how do we answer certain questions and objections that people might give us as we share the gospel. And it was all great stuff. It was all great stuff. But it was missing something. As I look back, what I, what I remember it missing was it was, there was nothing about prayer. There was no prayer for the people we we're going to talk to. There was no prayer about how do we prepare our hearts to go out and share the gospel. There was no talk about like, how do we pray with these people that want to hear about Jesus? It just kind of skipped over prayer and got to how do you share the gospel? And I think that's something we as Christians all wrestle with. We want to go out. We want to be on mission. We want to be aware. We want to care. We want to share. But we got to make sure we spend some time in prayer. See, because the problem with that is this. If we skip over prayer, we run the risk of thinking that it's all on us. And we run the risk of thinking that you and I somehow can be on mission without God. And that is arrogant. That's foolish. And that's exhausting, right? Like, go out of here and try to be on mission with without God and see how long you're going to last. Not very long, right? So we need God. That's why we pray, because we need him involved. If this on-mission thing's going to work, it's got to be fueled by God. God's got to be in that, and that's why we pray to connect with him, the power source. Think about it this way, right? Like, if you want your car to work, what do you got to put in your car? Gas, alright? And I'm like, I know it's expensive, but we gotta put gas in it, right? Uh and so let me just compare God to gas in your car. I know it sounds weird, but I did student ministry for a long time. So these are the illustrations that come to mind, all right? So think about gas in your car. So if you want your car to work, you gotta put gas in it, right? Your car is useless without that gas. You're not gonna get from point A to point B. Who's ever ran out of gas? All right, just you know, let's just we can yeah, we're all we can yeah, Rachel. I know some of you are ashamed. All right? But I remember the first time I ran out of gas, and it was my only time, because after that I became one of those people that's like, if the light comes on, you're from Satan, right? Like, you should not have your light come on, all right? Sorry. That's my wife. I called her Satan, because that's her that's her thing, right? Um, but, uh, sorry, babe. Um, that was not in my notes, I promise you. What? Sorry. Could have saved it for second service when she wasn't here. But, um... Uh, where was I going? Okay. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, so I remember the first time I ran out of gas, So I was in high school. I just got my license. I'm 16 and I'm driving to church and I remember driving to church and I get to the stop sign and it was very close to the church. Like all I had to do was turn left and then turn right into the parking lot to our church where I was going. So I get to the stop sign and I stop, I look both ways, whatever. And then I start to go and my car just like barely started moving. And it just started kind of like slowly creeping along. And I'm a 16-year-old dude, just like, I have no idea what's going on. And so I couldn't make it to the church parking lot, so I quickly pulled into the first driveway I saw. And it was like this private drive, went to some other properties behind our church, and I just pull it in there. And I get it off the road, because I'm at least smart enough to do that. But I get it there, and it's not moving. And so like any 16-year-old boy, I go, hmm, what should I do? I'm just going to leave it and go to church, all right? So I just go to church. I do my own thing, whatever. I call my mom later after church. I'm like, Mom, I th- something's wrong with my car. It's being weird. And she's like, did you put gas in it? Because I have gas. I'm like, that's a good point, all right? So I ran out of gas, and that's what happened. And here's the thing. That car, as much as I loved it and I wanted to drive it to wherever I was going, if I didn't put gas in it, it wasn't going to work. And I say all that to say this, if we want on mission to work, if we're going to go out and be these kind of people, we need God to be involved, we need God to work, and the way that we connect to God is the fuel, the power behind this is prayer, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Now, a lot of us, I don't think we know how to pray when it comes to being on mission. Like, what do we pray for? What's the things we need to focus on? And so I want to give you practical, really practical three areas this morning that you and I can be praying for when it comes to being on mission. And the first one is we need to pray for ourselves. We need to pray for ourselves, right? Before we pray for anyone else, let's first look at ourselves and say, hey, how can I pray for me? As a disciple who wants to go out and be on mission, what do I need to be praying that God would do in my heart and life first? And there's a few things I think we can be praying for. And the first one is desire pray that God would give us a desire for people to come to faith. Now, I know we're in church, and we all know that's the right answer. Like, yeah, I have a desire for people to come to faith. But do you really have a desire? Like, is that a desire that's moving you to action? Because I think a lot of us know we need to have a desire for people to come to faith, but we really lack a desire that actually moves us to do anything, right? Maybe it's because you're an introvert. Raise your hand if you're an introvert. Yeah, you're not raising your hand, right? I know. I get it. I'm right there with you, Right? I'm terrified of people too. I'm not, that's me. So uh, but sometimes for us as introverts, like making small talk and talking to people and then especially about the gospel, like that's not something naturally we wanna do, right? So maybe you lack a desire just because of your personality. Maybe you're just busy, right? And I think that's all of us. Like we're so busy in life that even though we know we should desire people to come to faith, we're just running around. The last thing we have time to think about is our neighbors who don't know Jesus. And so for whatever reason, we just lack a desire. But we need to ask God, God, would you give me a desire? Would you break my heart for the people around me who don't know Jesus? Because if you don't have a desire, none of the other stuff in this series is going to matter. You've got to have a desire. And I want to show you an example of, I think, the kind of desire we should have. And this is from the Apostle Paul. It's in the book of Romans. And this, listen to his desire. This is what he says. He says, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Right? Do you hear that desire? Man, anguish, sorrow. That, that is a guy whose heart is broken for the loss around him. He has a deep deep desire for people to come to know his savior. And the question for us this morning, is that our desire? Like, is that the kind of desire we have? Is that what we wake up in the morning thinking, man, today I desire those people around me that don't know Jesus to come to know me. And so let's pray for that desire. Now there's a second thing we could be praying for, and that's opportunities. We can be praying that God would give us opportunities to share the gospel, let me show you another passage. This is from the Apostle Paul in Colossians. And he says, at the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ. Right? Paul, this is a prayer request. Paul's given to the church and saying, hey, would you pray that, that me and the other disciples that we would have an opportunity to preach the gospel, to share the good news, And that's a prayer you and I should be praying. Say, God, would you today give me an opportunity? God, when I'm at work, will you give me an opportunity to share the gospel? When I'm at my favorite coffee shop, will you give me an opportunity to share the gospel? God, would you lead lead people my way? Now, I want you to know something important about this because a lot of us would say, okay, God, give me opportunities. And I think a lot of times we pray for opportunities and God's like, bro, or sis, whatever you are, right? I've already given them to you, right? Sometimes we're saying, God, show me the, give me the opportunities. But God says, I've already given you opportunities everywhere. The problem is a lot of times we're just not looking or we're not aware, right? That's what we talked about last week. Or we're not, or we're too busy in our own thing or we're too focused on ourselves that we're not looking for the opportunities he's already given us. And so maybe the prayer isn't, God, give me opportunities. Maybe the prayer is, God, would you show me the opportunities you've already given me? Will you open my eyes up to the things or the people, the places, the things, the areas of my life you've already put in place that are opportunities to share the gospel? And so take those opportunities and see them. But then also we need to pray for boldness. We need to pray for boldness, right? Many of us, we have a desire to share the gospel and we might even have a lot of opportunities, but we lack boldness. Right, We shrink back in fear. Maybe it's because you don't want to look awkward, or you don't know what to say, or maybe you're afraid they're not going to respond the way you want them to respond. And so we shrink back in fear. And so we have the desire, we have the opportunities, but we need boldness to step in and lean in to those moments. And I think there's a great example of the boldness we need to pray for. It's found in Acts, right? All, really all throughout Acts. The early church is bold about their faith. But in Acts chapter 4, there's an interesting situation. Peter and John, two of the apostles, they get arrested. They just get done performing a miracle. They, they, spread, they start teaching the gospel. And the religious leaders of the time, they didn't like that, and so they arrest Peter and John. And they throw them in jail overnight, and they question them, and they interrogate them. And then after they let them go, or before they let them go, they give them a warning. They say, hey, we're going to let you go, but here's the warning. Stop talking about Jesus. Stop spreading this message. Stop spreading this message that you are talking and giving to other people. Now, Peter and John, they go back to the church and they report this. They tell the church everything that happened. And what do you think would happen if we were in their shoes? Right. Many of us would probably go, okay, maybe we should chill out for a little bit. Maybe we should stop talking about Jesus so much. Maybe we should shrink back, not be so public. But that's not what the early church does. Look at what the early church prays. This is their prayer. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. So in the face of persecution, the early church didn't shrink back. Instead, they said, God, would you give us even more boldness? Will you give us even more boldness to go out and to keep preaching the gospel? And for us, we don't face that kind of persecution, right? Like, we have it pretty good as believers. And we don't face that, and we struggle with boldness. And so if they can be bold and and face what they're dealing with, how much more should we be bold? How much more should we ask God to give us that boldness to speak the gospel? And so the first thing we do when we think about being on mission in prayer is we pray for ourselves. And these are things we can be praying for. Pray that God would give you a desire. Pray that God would be giving you opportunities and showing you those opportunities. And pray for boldness to step in to those moments. But I also think we need to be praying for others, right? We just don't pray for ourselves. That's a great place to start. But we also pray for ourselves. Or for others, And when I say others, what I mean are, are non-believers, right? I'm not talking about praying for other Christians. That's great, and that's a sermon for another time. What we're talking about here is praying for others who don't know Jesus. And so how do we pray for unbelievers, right? If we want unbelievers to come to faith, if we want to be on mission and share the gospel with them, what are the things we need to be praying for in their heart and lives? And I think there's a few. The first one is this. Pray that God would draw them. Pray that God would draw them, right? Let me show you a a verse in the gospel of John. And it says this, no one can come to me, speaking of Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. So someone's going to come to faith. It's not going to start by your clever gospel presentation, right? It's not. It's not clever enough, I promise, right? What's going to happen is God has to draw them to himself. And so one of the first things we can pray for the unbeliever is, man, God, would you draw them in your own sovereign way, in your own sovereign will, in your own sovereign time? Will you draw them to yourself? Because they need that, right? Like before we came to faith in our natural state as unbelievers and as sinners that rebelled against God, none of us woke up and said, man, I desire Jesus today. I desire to run to him for salvation. We didn't initiate that. God drew us to himself. And so we need to pray that God would do that for the unbelievers around us. Second thing we can pray for the unbelievers is we can pray that God would soften their heart, soften their heart, right? All of us, the Bible says when we come into this world, we have hearts of stone, right? Our hearts are hard and cold to God, towards the things of God. And it seems like in our culture, I think all of us feel this, it seems like people right now are extra hard towards Christianity, right? And some of that is the church's fault, right? There's abuse and there's Christian leaders who have given us a bad name. And so some people are just so hard-hearted towards God, towards the gospel, to the things of God. And again, like the drawing, you're not gonna break their hard heart. You know who's gonna break their hard heart? God. And so we pray, God, would you soften their heart? Would you make them soft to the gospel, to the message of Jesus? Would you soften their heart to the things of God? God, soften their heart. We pray for God to do that. Another thing we can pray for is that God would convict them, that God would convict them. Back in the Gospel of John, another verse from that book, it says this, and when he comes, speaking to the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Right? One of the roles that the Holy Spirit plays in the unbelieving world is, is he draws, or he convicts people of their sin. He convicts people that, man, they are broken and messed up and they've rebelled against God and they're sinners and they need a savior. He convicts them of judgment that they stand underneath God and one day will have to give an account. And so one of the things that we can pray for unbelievers is, man, God, would you convict their hearts? Would you show them the sin that they're living in? Would you show them their rebellion? Would you show them that they have no righteousness of their, of their own? God, would you convict them? We pray for that conviction. And then we also pray that God would open their eyes. That God would, God would open their eyes up to the gospel, to what Jesus has done. Listen to this verse. Second Corinthians, Paul says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. See, what that verse tells us is that people that don't know Jesus, and this was us before we knew Christ, we had blinders on We couldn't see the gospel. We couldn't see the beauty of Christ. We couldn't see the glory of Christ. And you wonder why so many people in our world, they know the gospel, they've heard the gospel, but they just don't see it. It's because they're blinded. And you're not going to remove those blinders. God can. And so we pray and say, God, would you open up their eyes to see Jesus for as worthy and as beautiful as he is? Would you show them the gospel and how amazing it is? God, would you open their eyes? So we pray for that. And then the last thing we can be praying for is this, the influence of other Christians. You know, here's the thing, most people, and maybe if you came when you came to faith, you can attest to this, but a lot of times people don't come to faith just because of one time of hearing the gospel, right? Most of the time people don't come to faith because one Christian talked to them or, or displayed Christ-like character in front of them. Usually it takes a lot of different voices and a lot of different influences, and we're just one influence, right? And so whoever that person is, those people in your life who don't know Jesus, maybe you're one person and many people that they need to hear the gospel from. And so we pray, God, would you not only use me to influence unbelievers, but would you send other Christians to influence them as well? So they can hear the gospel from different people. They can see the gospel on display in many different ways. God, would you send many influences into their life? Now, here's the thing about this list. Those are great things. Those are amazing things. And all of those things have one thing in common, and it's this. Only God can do them. Only God can do them. right? It doesn't matter how long we stand up here and talk about on mission, none of us can do those things. You're not going to draw someone to faith. You're not going to soften their heart. You're not going to convict them. You're not going to open their eyes. And you're not going to be able to control all the influences in their life. You're not. You know who does? God only God. He is the only one who can do these things. And that's why we pray. See, we pray because we know God can only do those. We pray because that's his job. All we can do is do what we're doing in this series. We can be aware, we can pray, we can be, we can care and we can share. That's all. And so as we do what he's called us to do, we pray and say, God, would you do what only you can do, which are these things. Another thing about this list I hope that it does is I hope that it gives you some language to pray. I hope that it paints your prayers, right? I've experienced this. I know uh, maybe you have someone in your life, maybe a couple of people, but maybe there's someone in your life you pray for consistently to come to faith. Maybe it's a family member, a coworker, a friend, someone in your neighborhood, but you have that person that you just pray for. And when I was writing this sermon, there was someone that popped in my mind. It's someone in my family I pray for often, and if you're like me and you pray for someone like that, many times my prayer at times is just, God, would you save blank? Would you save blank? And I just say her name. And, and I think God loves that. I think God sees and loves to hear sincere, simple prayers. I'm not knocking that. But what I can say is on the human side, that prayer, I get burned out pretty quick, right? Like I, I kind of stop praying it because over time I'm like, I've just said the same thing a million times, right? Right. And what this list does is it at least gives me some language to pray. It at least gives me some biblical, God honoring, amazing things that God does that paints my prayers for the unbelievers around me. And so I hope you can use that list for even that. And so we start by praying for ourselves. We pray for desire. We pray for opportunities. We pray for boldness. And then we pray for others. We pray for non-believers that God would draw them, soften them, convict them, open their eyes, and we pray for influences in their lives. But then there's a third kind of area I want to focus on is this, is that we pray with others. We pray with other uh, people, and specifically non-Christians, right? So often we think about praying for non-believers, but how often do we think about praying with non-believers, See, because one of the things that's interesting is you have to be creative with this. You have to be a little bit intentional because if you go up to a non-believer today after church and go, hey, can I pray with you? They're like, really, ah, that's a little weird, man. Don't really want to do that, right? So you have to be creative. You have to look for an on-ramp. And, and here's a little tip because I think there's something we can be looking for that's always going to be a really easy on-ramp to pray with the non-believer. So here's the thing. Every single person, believer or not, they experience something in their life called pain and suffering. Every single person. And so every non-believer around you, they experience pain and suffering. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's uh, they lost their job. Maybe their marriage is on the rocks. Maybe they're divorced. Maybe uh, their kids, their relationship with their kids is a mess. Maybe there's something financially going wrong. But there's all this pain and suffering that they experience. And when the crap hits the fan, right, a non-believer, even though they don't care about God any other times, they're going to be really open in that moment to pray. And they're going to be really open for you to say, hey, can I pray with you? They're going to be really open to that. And so what I want you to catch is this, is that pain and suffering are very easy on-ramps for you to pray with non-believers. Very easy on-ramps. All you got to do is ask because they're going to be open to it. I experienced this a couple of months ago. It was uh, right after Christmas. Uh, It was like right after we had the crazy cold days and then we had like the random warm days. Thank you, Northeast Ohio. Uh, and I remember I go outside. I'm like, I'm going to take my Christmas lights down because it's warm. And so I go outside. I'm taking the Christmas lights down. Uh, and my neighbor, who I've interacted with uh, a decent amount, he's outside uh, doing the same thing, taking his Christmas lights down. And we start talking. And we're just chatting, talking about the holidays. And I could tell something was weighing on him. And eventually he shared with me, he said, hey, uh, you know, my, my father passed away right before Thanksgiving. And he talked to me about his dad passing away before Thanksgiving, and, and it just broke my heart hearing him talk about, man, just how Thanksgiving was hard and Christmas was hard. He even talked about how uh, he couldn't watch football on Sundays because him and his dad would watch. Uh, they lived in different cities, but they would watch and text back and forth. And he's like, I can't even watch football anymore. And he was just kind of pouring his heart out to me, telling me how hard it was, how he was dealing with it. And I remember as he's talking, the Holy Spirit is just knocking me over the head over and over saying, hey, ask if you can pray with him. Ask if you can pray with him. Just over and over. Now, I wish I could say as a good pastor before you, like, yeah, I stopped and prayed. I didn't. I argued with the Holy Spirit for like five minutes, right? As he's sharing with me, I'm like, no, yes. I'm like, I'm freaking out. And I'm finally like, ah, like it's awkward. We're in the front yard. We haven't really talked about spiritual things before. It feels kind of forced. But eventually the Holy Spirit just wouldn't let, let me go. And so I said, okay. And so I said, hey, uh, I know this is kind of maybe random, but do you mind if I pray with you real quick? I, I know you're going through a hard time. It's very obvious. You shared that with me. Do you mind if I just pray? And he goes, of course. He didn't like, like no. like he's Yes, I would love that. And this is a guy I know. He does not have a relationship with God. He is steeped in Catholic religion. He does not know what it means to have a relationship with God. But he says, you know what? Yes, I would love for you to pray. And so I prayed with him. And when I got done praying, you could see it in his face. You could see it in his body language. He was so encouraged. He was so ministered to. And I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back, right? I'm just saying that to say there's power in us as believers using the pain and suffering that we see in the unbelievers' lives and saying, hey, can I pray with you? And that's a great moment to minister to. That's a great moment that could lead to other things we're going to talk about in this series. Now, I'll give you a few practical tips when you pray with non-believers or unbelievers. Here's a few things to remember. First, ask, all right? Do not be one of those Christians who just randomly starts praying with them. That will freak them out. They won't like that. Don't be rude, right? Don't be a jerk. Just ask. Say, hey, can I pray with you? They're not going to say no, right? Ask them. Just simply ask them. Be kind. Be gracious. And then secondly, this is important. Keep them in mind. Keep them in mind. This is what I mean. When you pray with an unbeliever, that's not your moment to use Christianese, right? That's not your moment to use a bunch of language that all of us in this room understand, but everyone out there doesn't, right? This isn't your time to kind of flaunt your theological word that you like or that biblical nugget you learned in your Bible study. Not the time for that, right? This is a time to use language that a non-believer is going to understand, right? Use language that they're going to get. Use language that's intentional about what they're going through. So for an example, when I prayed with my neighbor, I remember some of the things the Holy Spirit was kind of just putting on my mind in that moment. I remember praying things like, God, you're the God of all comfort. You love us. You want to be with us. You died for us so that you can have a relationship with us. And I remember praying, God, you know life is hard. And you know we go through pain. And you want to sit with us in that pain. You want to walk with us. right?" Like in that moment, I'm just trying to pray things for him that are going to make sense and things that are going to minister to his pain. And also, I'm going to pray the gospel because that's a chance for him to hear the gospel even as I'm praying. So keep them in mind as you pray with them. And then lastly, follow up, right? Maybe it's the next day, maybe it's next week, the next month, I don't know. But follow up and say, hey, I prayed with you. Can I? How's that going? Can I pray with you again? Or is there anything I can be thinking about, right? Many times that's gonna lead to even more times of prayer. Maybe it's gonna lead to sharing the gospel in a really plain way. So follow up with them. So here's the thing is we're on mission, right? This is our, our goal, right? This year as a church, we want to be on mission together and we want to go out and reach the lost. We got to make sure we spend some time in prayer. We got to make sure we don't rush through this important ingredient of prayer. That we want to pray for ourselves. We want to pray that God would give us desire, opportunities, and boldness. We want to pray that God would do what he can only do in the hearts of those unbelievers. And then we want to look for those opportunities to pray even with them, even with them. You know, As we wrap up here in a minute, we're going to respond in song, and we're going to sing a song. Uh, We sing it here often. It's called, More Like Jesus. And there's a really cool phrase kind of near the end of the song that we repeat a few times, and it says, Father, I pray, make me more like Jesus. And that's a great prayer. And I know I've thrown a ton of kind of practical things at you, things to pray, and maybe you're thinking, man, I've never prayed any of these things. I don't know where to start. You might be overwhelmed. Here's a good place to start. God, would you make me more like Jesus? Jesus had a desire. Jesus used opportunities. Jesus was bold, right? Jesus went to the Father on the behalf of those who would come to know him. Jesus was always leaning into those opportunities. And so maybe our prayer this morning before anything is that we would say, Father, will you make me more like Jesus as we go out and be on mission together? So let's even pray to him right now and ask him to do that. God, we thank you. We thank you so much for the gospel you've given us. We thank you that you've uh, not only given it to us, but you've entrusted us and called us as your disciples to go share it. And what a great opportunity that is. And Lord, I pray this morning as we've been talking about prayer, God, I pray we would not skip over that. God, that we would not rush through it. God, that we would spend time praying for ourselves and that we would spend time praying for non-believers. God, we even spend time praying with them and using that as an opportunity to share your good news. God, our prayer this morning at the end of the day is to make us more like your son, Jesus. We wanna love the lost. We wanna be aware of the lost. God, make us more like Jesus this morning. In his name we pray, amen.